This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. What a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil. Every game. Yeah, you want some? No. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? (laughs) Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Give me a great The official supermarket of the Boston Bruins and by Red River Technology. Brought your cars with you, huh? Yeah, we're on the road. We're all set to go. Lace them up for some bees talk right now. We got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of losses. Sunday skate, I'll give it a big B plus. On Sports Radio WEEI. Ah, the love, the dedication. Matt Kalman was here at 6.30, which is actually 5.30. And it's his birthday, Pete. Happy, oh, happy birthday, birthday Matt. to Matt Kalman. Oh, thank you. I'm going to guess 55 today. Oh, you're... Or, or 35. I'm not, not sure. 65, of course. 65. Your soul is 112. Who would you guess the Kalman ages? He's tough to pin down, I would say. Seriously. He's one of those guys. Definitely we'll tough. Have to, we'll have to show how old I am. We'll, we'll pick my moron of the moment in about, you know, maybe a half <laughs> hour or so. A lot of morons yesterday on Twitter. Uh, well, we had... Uh, we had Twitter was busy last night. Twitter was active. We had a game. We had an uh, interesting second period, to say the least. Pete is back from Maine. Good to have you back in the building, Pete. Thank you very much. Did not wear the beers hat today. You went with the Vancouver hat, so that's fine. You're going uh, tried and true. We have two big hours today. Calman, despite all his bitching and declaring he would never show up for the first pre-hour of the show, he comes anyway. This is really, I mean, it is impressive. I mean... But this is what I want to know. Mark James said he wants to sleep in a little later, and he wants to, he wants to start at he wants to start at ten. You know, so why are we doing the seven to nine and making him come in at nine? You said it yourself. Brady talk must begin by nine a.m. That is a mandate <laughs> across the Mark, network. Mark James, who was at the Boston Bruins game last night, that's impressive. Yeah, I'll yeah. He actually credit. asked me what icing was, and I had to explain icing and offside <laughs> to him. But other than that, he was great. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of explanation needed for the end of the second. Um, what started the whole? Thing, what? Why was uh, Chara so upset at Sergachev? That was what kind of oh, got it going in the corner. Banged his right? head into the glass. He did. Yeah, I actually didn't see that. Chara was that playing either. a puck, and and Sergachev like came up underneath and kind of like rammed him into the glass. And then Sergei- Maroon gave him a whack uh, as they were gliding back. Yeah. Once they called the, once they blew the horn for for to review that goal. He was gliding past Maroon, and Maroon gave him a nice little whack in the shins. So that's, that's what started that whole thing. Oh, so that re yeah, What was Chara, after he got hit in the, his head into the glass, he tried to challenge Sergachev, which obviously isn't really going to happen. You want to know part and of so that. So Maroon, Maroon said he was, he was basically defending uh, Sergachev. So the Bruins score, but but it's uh, you know ruled a non-goal on the ice, which is another beautiful uh, miscall by the refs. Uh, it just fits right in with the theme of the week. Uh, they blow the siren. Did the siren go off before the scrums began, or yeah, kind of yeah. simultaneous? Yeah, no. This, this, that's what stopped play playing. Was going. That's, that's, yeah, right. that's what stopped everything. And then you've got, you know, Chara, who's trying to talk to the ref. And there was Maroon that came back over to him. They were. Uh, they, it looked like they were gliding past each other. Chara was skating past him, and then Maroon just gave him a nice little "How you do?" right in the right in the shins. And Anthony Sorelli comes in, total bush league move. 
with the two-hand chop to the back of the spine. I mean, I guess it's, you know, if it happened in the flow of a play, it wouldn't seem that egregious. Right. But it's just, just, I mean, man, uh, face the guy head well, Don't on. face him. I mean, Maroon can handle himself. He's not coming yeah, to Maroon's defend a big some, boy. some teammate. Maroon's fought him, Char, like four times now, right? So that's not an issue. Sorelli comes in behind like he's defending somebody. And then Sean Corrali comes racing over. Uh, there was some claim that he came off the bench, but you're saying that's not true, right? No, nah, he was on the ice. It was, it was five on five. He, he said he was, I didn't know what he was doing, why he wasn't engaged right away. He said he was watching the replay of the goal. So why not, you know, and he didn't realize what was going on. And then somebody, I, I actually watched this part. Somebody at the bench yelled at him, like, go. And he's like, oh, and then he took off and, and flew in there. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people say that that he came off the bench. A bunch of Lightning fans were whining on Twitter. They are like, how does he not get thrown out of the game right away? I mean, McAvoy was at the bench. A bunch of guys were at the bench it took a little while for it to get going after the horn had blown <laughs> well, you know what so. it is, is if it was lightning fans on twitter you you know that they they're from florida they can't count so it was five on five there were five on each side okay but he goes after Kalorn. did he think that was Kalorn had no he had to chopped... get, he had to get the first guy that was open right oh, he for the everybody open else was engaged yeah he threw a nice open ice hit there just straight up tackled him because <laughs> sorelli did not even get penalized on the play right, right? i mean and all, and all that sequence yeah he took the next he took the ensuing face off after all that so they gave a game misconduct to the team staff of the Lightning, which, according to uh, Jack and Brick on the telecast, I don't know if this was confirmed. Oh, was Jack calm? Uh, That's the one thing I missed oh, last actually, night. Actually, I'm sure Jack was taking oh, no. it lightly, right? Oh, we can no. play the we can play that for you here in a bit. He he was he was uh, hoping for more Chara blood than, than did he wanted to like clean. bring out. I'll take you there. <laughs> did yeah. he wanted to bring out like the Donoff, like bring about like Hannibal Lecter, and then beat the. Well, he wanted Chara to introduce Pat Maroon to the afterlife. Right. That was the big takeaway. <laughs> and then Chara got taken down, so yeah. it was sort of anticlimactic. But Todd Richards was given the refs the business yeah. and then got ejected from the game, the assistant coach of the Lightning. That was the game misconduct, right? But he never came on the ice, actually. No. So it was just too many F-bombs or whatever. I don't know what that was. Uh, they gave a delay of game to the bench. That yeah. was what gave him the power play. Right. Is, is that related to the same Probably. ejection? And then they never explain these things. It's amazing. They just get off. Chernak got a ten minute misconduct. What did he get to? What? That was my question. I, I was wondering if they had mixed up Chernak well, and and Sorelli, because Sorelli, uh, you would have thought out of all of those guys on Tampa, he would have been the one guy to to get a, a misconduct. Right. But he ended up taking the ensuing face off. I think it had to do with the fact that. McAvoy clearly didn't want to fight, and Chernak just kept pounding away at him. And you don't, you don't know what's being said. I mean, the linesman probably told him a few times to stop, and he just kept pounding away. Clearly, the code does not apply to the <laughs> Chernak household because he just kept pounding the heck out of McAvoy. But Corrali also got the misconduct, and then uh, Chara got the five-minute fighting major. But after all this is said and done, and the Lightning win 5-3, to three, and they're back within uh, seven points. Seven points. Oh, yeah. With it's the a game in hand. Now. Are you sweating? Well, I don't know that anybody cares who wins. Then we we'll get to that yeah. later. Oh, I mean, we definitely care who wins. You, you think yeah. the game, the division, the division? Oh, the division. I was going to say the game. I didn't care. I mean, did you ever? Well, I mean, I wanted. I, did you ever watch you a Bruins it. game where you didn't feel like they had lost when they had lost at the end? It was like they won this. They, they like sent the me- they sent the message they wanted to send. They sure, didn't care. but uh, I mean, yeah. at the, if there's a game that you want them to win, it's it's that game, especially yeah. given the way it's still a seven point lead. It's still over. No, I agree. It's not yeah. the end of the world, but given the the high stakes that were raised in that game. And against a rival, you you want them to take that game. I don't yes, think that game. I think that, but, on the one hand, the Lightning think that they now have an edge and they prove something. They're going to go around saying, "Oh, we look, we stood up to this, the big bad Bruins and all this stuff." But in the Bruins' minds, they're like, "Whatever, that was nothing." <laughs> well, no, I give Boston stuff, that that's had the right. feel of a seven nothing skunking, and to, to exactly. come back and, and make the it stuff a game. The, and the you know the, the the stuff that the Bruins went through last night was like hardly anything compared to, you know, St. Louis seven-game series or anything they've gone sure, through in the but, last few but years. But I also think that it was it was like a nice proving game for the Bruins because all right. year long they've that been saying too. that they don't have right. enough toughness. And exactly. I think that last night it, that was sort of a playoff feel. It had a playoff atmosphere, think, it had a playoff nastiness, Bru- and they held their own, I think. Even though the outside noise was always that the Bruins weren't tough enough, and, you know, we were, we were part of that, Ken and I at least um, – the Bruins didn't believe that. I think the Lightning really believed they were a bunch of wimps until last night. Like, because they had to add all this, these beefy players in the first place, right? They had to go out and get Maroon and get Bogosian and these guys. And now, so now they think that they they're, they're going to come out with their chest pump because they think they did something. But 
they didn't really accomplish so you, that much. Oh, so but oh, but, but you think Tampa feels that game meant more to them than oh, it did absolutely, Boston. definitely, especially coming off the Tuesday night game where they got thoroughly dominated for two periods in their on their home rink, were only in the game because of the goalie playing out of his mind. To go on the road and and play and play the way they did, considering the additions they made, where they have to try to show this other dimension of the game, they definitely think they took more out of it. Here's John Cooper, the uh, Lightning head coach, with the uh, I think this is the line of the game. If we have the right clip, uh, go ahead, play it, Nick. Like things like this are going to happen. It was two pretty darn good hockey teams that wanted to win a game, and uh, guys are sticking up for each other. You know, everybody just gets a little taller on the bench. You know, it's uh, it's it's one of those games that. You don't see it as much anymore, but intimidation still is a factor. You know, when you, when you can you look the you, know, you look the tiger in the eye uh, and don't back down. Like I said, everybody grows on the bench. So, look the tiger in the eye and don't back down. Don't, uh, all right, Pete. Now you, this will be in the newsletter. Do you respect that comment, or is it? Uh, it's, it's hard. It's it's hard to respect John Cooper talking about <laughs> toughness. There's just there's just like a quality of that guy's voice that just does Mr. not Mom. inspire confidence. Look the tiger. The Maybe eye. it's because of what happened last year, but I, I mean, it's it's just really hard to see that guy inspiring like what, what a happens real you toughness. Cross check the tiger in the back. Is that is that the same thing? Or? Uh, you know, obviously there were ninety what ninety six penalty minutes, ninety four penalty minutes in this game. By by the time I was said, none. There were other incidents too. Um, you had Bergeron get in the business with uh, what about Barclay the Marshall one? The I don't get that. How did how did the Bruins end up with coincidental minors? He did, for once, Brad Marshall didn't do anything untoward there. There was a at rebound the end of the second period or no? Yeah, there was a rebound and he just went for it. Vasilevsky oh, that came was out to that play was ridiculous. It. I mean, it was four on one, and he and, yeah, and then the they, play was and then still they all going. buried him, and then they come out and they give they give two and two. Yeah, I didn't get that one at all. Oh, uh, that that was before the big brawl in the second. You're talking right. about yeah. I, I really did. I know that Marchand has his his has his reputation and all that, but that was if had any other player done right. that, that was still a, a clear play that he was trying to make on a, on. He to didn't pry make any contact loose. with Vasilevsky that no. I saw. He didn't snow him, and then he's getting gang. He's getting it was four. Beat, it was four on by one. Four in the guys, and, and he gets he gets a penalty. Yeah, totally, I they, they give two each to Ruffing for Marchand and Sorelli. Yeah, that's, uh, that was unbelievable. Grizzly, I thought was hurt on that sequence. Right, he looked like I've, did he get yeah. chopped in the head while he was on the Some, ice? Something happened in there. I don't. I don't know what happened at the end of the second where he got the that's the, sla- what I was the slashing about. minor. Yeah. That really ended up costing him. Obviously, at that the was oh, the that game. Was, that turned the game. Oh, that, maybe Nesson went to commercial because they were just going off the ice. They were trying to break them up, and he I saw him come back. He reached over like over the, the linesman. linesman with his with his stick okay. and tapped. Shattenkirk on the on the shoulder and Shattenkirk was going nuts. I mean, that's it, it was the kind just of a love tap play. Yeah, yeah th- I mean, I guess I I understand. It. Like once things sort of boil over and right. they're not going to let that that stuff go. And I mean, especially at the end of the period, oh. trying to reach over the linesman. But you you got to love it. They, they let it, they let it boil over and then they start doing that right. because they were terrible. I mean, if they would have, yeah, they were very very bad. They can't the seem to control night. anything. But that led directly to the game winner, right? Or well, not the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. game winner. Yeah. The the Killorn Tipman in front. And the power play that starts the third period. I thought that was terrible. But, okay, uh, bigger uh, uh, bigger deal of the week. Sorelli, uh, maybe Sorelli's not even a big deal. Chara's fine. Or, or Dodonov on Thursday with the elbow to Carlo, who didn't play in the game last night. Which, uh, you also, you think about if these teams meet well, again. You're not just, Carlo. Carlo was at the game last night. Oh, he was. So, if he's out and about, that's a good sign. And Kalman defending Dodonov on Twitter. I defend him. I said... These morons, on, you want to start with my first moron of the moment? <laughs> These idiots who decide, oh, he took a look, so he, he definitely tried to elbow him in the head. He took a look because he's a national hockey player going into a corner, and he's trying to defend himself, which is what we talk about all the time. Do you think he really looked, this Russian guy with no history, no bad blood that we know of between anyone on the Bruins and the Panthers, looked over his shoulder and said, oh, gee, while I play this puck, if I get my show, my elbow just right, I can get it at the Brandon Carlos face. No, but like we always talk about, when you it's if it's an accident, it still it can be a suspendable or penalized offense, and that's fine. But you can't stop talking about intent. I mean, it was pretty obvious that Nesson got like the the memo to like, oh, really make it look bad. Jaffe was fired up. Oh my <laughs> god, Jaffe decided that the Donoff, you know, he was responsible for everything that's ever happened. He's a Russian hacker. He's elbowing <laughs> people in the face. He's doing everything. My God! Okay, I, I all you have to do is look at it and say, "Okay, this bad. is a terrible play." It what? what doesn't make sense is that how do you downgrade it from a five to a that's, two? So that's the if thing. you called it a yeah. two and you looked and you upgraded to a five, fine. 
if you called it a two and you kept it at a two, still bad, but at least you were consistent. How do you downgrade that after you watch it? I think Matt's off his rocker on a lot of things, but I'm a support. I'm hundred percent on Team Matt here. What? Yeah, I, I think that he's he's right. I mean, people made it out to seem like he he was totally like trying to crush Brandon Carlos' skull into his face, and I didn't see it that way. I thought that it was just a very unfortunate, unfortunate play and unfortunate result that I don't think that they should have changed once looking right. at the replay. And, but, I, I mean, I don't think that there was, mal- like, such malicious intent there. And that's where it goes back to that rule, too. There's nothing about intent in the rule. It says if the elbow causes injury, right. which obviously it did. I mean, this wasn't even questionable. He didn't, like, sit on the bench or, or play a shift and try. He went right to the room, clearly dazed. Okay. And you look at the – there was actually a picture online of his of him look, skating off. He doesn't look know where he is. But you're saying Carlo's fine, or he looked fine. Well, he's, you know, we don't know he about the concussion test. He, he at least floor. can leave the house. <laughs> Promising aftermath, I guess. I, I never saw him afterwards. wear his glasses before, so I don't know if that tells you. He was wearing his glasses. Did Sorelli intend to chop Chara in the back? Yes. In the second period? Absolutely. Well, how can you tell? How can you judge intent? Because he skates right straight at because him. Because there's no hockey play. He's not play. engaged in a hockey play playing a puck. What are you talking about? Looks I'm, over not even his shoulder. I'm not even convinced the Donov is looking over his shoulder as in he can see Carlo behind him. I think he's looking like on, half man. half out to see who he can pass the puck to when he plays in the corner, and half he can see somebody coming. Right, just to make sure that he doesn't get crushed. Well, from fine. And he's and then trying, he sees him, Listen, and then he he's deliberately a skilled elbows player who the doesn't guy. know how to play physical, so he tries to reverse hit a guy, and it, and it goes wrong. That's what happens. Nobody's saying he can't. He shouldn't get the five minute major, but to 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 go on and on about hey, this guy's some serial killer or some Tom Wilson trying to crush people is stupid. Well, it was a dirty play. It was an intentional shot to the chops. He made it look good. I don't I even believe you believe that. I totally believe that he looked over his shoulder, saw a guy bearing down on him, and decided I'm going to come up with the elbow for self defense. I don't think the maybe maybe like come up with the elbow for self defense, but I don't think that his intention was to elbow him in the face. Yeah, he didn't mind. That was, you know, the intent was. Of course, he didn't mind. If this happened, to, if this was Martian, we go, oh, he, he was defending himself. Well, be in control of yourself, then. I mean, oh, if it's intentional, think, it's intentional. No one's then saying he should have been in control of himself, but you can't. Again, I think okay, he should have been a five-minute major. You're saying two different things here, Ken. You're saying that he should be in control of himself, which we all are agreeing on. The point is, you think he's doing it on purpose to elbow him in the face? Yes, it was on purpose. He wanted to knock Carlo yes, out. He did. All right, totally did. And do you get two minutes for that? And Good news that Carlo will be back, but that could, I mean. We, we don't know. You never yeah, know. I, mean, I may have concussions. It, it, it could be a while. Up in the air. I may have prematurely declared the Bruins D good enough earlier in the week on our podcast. If Carlo's not in the mix, God, did John think, Moore look bad last I don't week. think they're good enough without Carlo. Holy moly. How about Bogosian? He would look good as the seventh defenseman on this team, wouldn't he? Oh, my God. Now, it was Moore's first game after missing 10 or whatever. I don't know how many. Yeah, but that's what he usually does well. He usually does play well when he first comes back, and then he goes down the toilet. If he starts where he started last night, where does he go from here? I mean, he looked bad in the first. Steve Camp for levels or what? He looked bad in the first period just on simple plays, and then in the second, obviously, he's directly responsible. The thing is, now, with the cushion they have in this division, that they'll give him a couple games. and They should. Let's say Carl's out a few weeks. They'll give him a couple games, but then if if he keeps up with this pace, you'll see Camp for you'll see whoever in there. Or these Clifton. I also thought that uh, Zeno Char looked pretty bad at points last night, too. He didn't play much. Uh, obviously, he was a lot of special teams, but he played like 15 minutes in the game last night. Yeah, that is another concern. I mean, just how many minutes. And you've already declared, I guess Cassidy has, load management is going to uh, creep in for the final 13 games, it right, Matt? Yeah. Has he should. said that de- declaratively? He did kind of on the road, I think. He told Kevin DuPont that, I believe, okay. saying that they're going to start, you know. Which makes when sense. They get, once they get to a point. I think last night was a... A turning point. I think we talked about it on the podcast too that last night was a turning point in that now they ha- they have a seven point lead, which they might not feel is as comfortable as I do, but they'll they'll start testing some things out here. I think as far as just they got to get Bjork back in there. I don't understand this whole idea of we want him to learn how to play at a playoff level and and push back and be strong in the puck, but we're going to sit him against the Lightning. So what you, you put him against Ottawa and see if he can do it. I mean, you have to. Give the guy a chance, and what's what's the big deal to get him in there and have? I mean, no, no knock on Nordstrom, but you know what he can give you. Why not give Bjork these minutes and see if, and see if he can if he can learn? But so you assume at some point that that happens, and they'll they'll shovel a little bit. You assume at some point Connor Clifton comes back in the lineup. I don't know what Bruce Cassidy's afraid of with Connor Clifton. He's healthy. He's he been is. healthy for weeks, and he's skating with the team, and he's he's skating, practicing. Sure, interesting. Well, I mean, Moore was their guy last year in in the Cup final. He impressed. Uh, you got to give him that, but last night was. Uh, I wouldn't say he impressed. I'd say he was serviceable. I, well, serviceable, but that impressed me to be like not noticed. 
especially he was in there in Game 7, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not a great result, banged but up, it wasn't his fault. He's <laughs> banged up, too. Uh, let's hear from uh, Zidane Char. If you're just joining us, by the way, this is like the uh, Sunday Skate pre-show. It's Ken Laird, Matt Kalman, his happy birthday today, and uh, Pete Blackburn. We are here for two big hours. It's our first expanded show today. You can reach us at 617-779-7937. Mostly talking, if you watched the game last night, you know the uh, the big uh, brawl, ruckus, uh, goal at the same time. End of the second period was, uh, I guess, the, uh, the the crescendo of the game. The, the uh, Bruins ended up losing 5-3 to three when all was said and done, but at that time it was 3-2. Uh, you know, Char was was chopped in the back. Uh, he was going after Sergachev at first, and then uh, eventually got in between uh, Sorelli and uh, Pat Maroon. I guess at some point we could talk about the, the ridiculousness that this, these two teams might meet in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I know you, you you're very <laughs> upset about this. That Toronto's going to get in, but, but Toronto but in has your the power cushiest... rankings. You had them like 13th or something. Toronto which is has incredible. The cush- Toronto has the cushiest position in the whole damn league. They're locked in at three. Yeah. They don't. They don't. Like I said on this podcast, we don't have to. They don't have to win a game the rest of the year. They're in. <laughs> I I've, I don't think I've ever seen a team, two teams in a, in a race to try as hard to miss the playoffs as Toronto and and <laughs> Florida. Right? Florida. I mean, it's so bad. Florida won last night. I have no idea. I think they actually won see. last night. But like I mean, a rare I, win for them. Toronto, they're, not, they're not out of it. Toronto somehow comes comes away from the, the California road trip with zero wins. So they had one point. Three, against three of the worst teams in the I, league. I tweeted this. They had a five-point lead on the Panthers when they left. They got one point in three games, and they came back with a five-point <laughs> lead. Yeah, Florida's only three back. They won last night. Oh, they beat, wow. They beat won the Canadians. One. They got a game in hand, too. Uh, look at it. But here is uh, Zidane Chara, some of the post-game thoughts of the uh, Bruins captain with all the uh, uh, extracurriculars. Somebody's hitting you from behind when you're about to go with somebody else. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It, that's uh, sometimes you're gonna see that. You know, it's uh, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you, you can't really see who, what's coming from behind. But uh, yeah, sometimes you're gonna see that. Now the look on his face—if you saw the video yeah. of it—it it was like he. I think he's pretty pissed. He just didn't want. To, he, he's one of those guys that doesn't say anything, and he keeps it all on the ice, right? What's well, the second time he's been jumped from behind this year, right? Or was it last year if Andrew Kane jumped it from behind too? Oh yeah, so it's like, it's like these guys. The, never mind the code. It's just like simple decency. Don't grab people from behind, no matter how big they are. And it, it's so dangerous when they do that. You know, you always wonder if the guy's just going to hit his head at some point when he hits the ice. So right. it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't even grabbed from behind. He was just right. crushed, a cross check from behind. Now you said, Pete. Obviously, the Bruins wanted to win that game last night, and you know, to send a message, I agree. As far as winning the division, I don't think it really matters at all. If if I'm Tampa, I'm I'm thrilled to finish second and play this Leafs team that Calvin flip flops on every week as to whether they're good or not. Um, if you're the Bruins, do you care? I was 13th, a good a compliment to the team. For you, I thought they'd be 32nd. I mean, <laughs> or 40th. Somehow you'd find a way to to, <laughs> to pit them. That's giving Toronto way too much respect. 16th, I mean, at least put them as the last playoff team. Yeah, I think, anyway. I think your first round might might be easier. Uh, I mean, the Leafs still still give the Bruins a tough time. So, like, no matter the, the circumstances, no matter the roster, no matter what's going on with the Leafs, they always give the Bruins a tough time. So I don't have a problem avoiding them in the first round, especially, you know, I think it's also a big deal to, to just lock in home ice. You know, if you can get that, that top seed and lock in home ice for your entire stretch run, that's huge. So uh, I'd, I would, you know, forego Toronto in the first round, to, to get that, that home ice advantage, for sure. People will bring up Game 7. You lost at home last year. You know, who cares about home ice? I know that's well, a we good talked consistent. about this already. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the fact that home ice was so huge in those Toronto series. It was huge in the Columbus series, the Carolina series. It, Get, getting out it, to early. It is huge. I mean, yeah, lose, they lost three games in the final in, in home ice just because the teams were so evenly matched. I mean, they were, it wouldn't right. really it's, matter it, where it, you were playing. It's but. not like they played bad in, in Game 7 last year coming out of the gate on home ice, and I think that, that you know being at home probably helped them. There was a little juice in the building. They came out. They were the better team in the first period. Jordan Bennington was just unbelievable. Um, not to bring up old memories. <laughs> Mar- Marshan missed one, and then, and then, of course, the line changed. Right. Uh, of course, there'll be no fans this year in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter about home ice or, <laughs> or road ice. They'll play at the neutral good site, empty stadiums. It is getting freaking scary with that. I mean, you almost got locked out of the dressing room last night. Calvin yeah. was like weeping in the in the. Oh no! I just I just love I just love the guy who covers the women's soccer team for Sports Illustrated comes out and says, "Well, when I cover games, they bring the players to me, and it works out fine. So no one no one should have locker room access anymore." Calvin wore his full hazmat suit so he could <laughs> exactly. have access to the dressing room last night. I mean, I got mixed feelings on this. I like you know I've covered locker rooms for a long time, and you get some stuff in there, but a lot of times it is 
useless. I mean, like these group it's it, never, like, it, it like, is never useless in hockey for sure. But the group, but the group you get fifteen minutes. And I would rather see. Uh, I'd rather see you cry and weep on Sunday skate in the morning than see uh, a key member of the Bruins get coronavirus. Good to be point. honest, okay. With you. So listen, they're going to have to talk to the media in some way. They're going to interact with people. They're they're more likely to get it from each other. Or from some damn airplane, or wherever, or some fan. They, they are from not us. What are you talking and if about? They, if they're gonna scrum, these are gonna, these are gonna have people close to them anyway. Millionaires um, have much less chance of getting it than the whole. It's not like they're flying public airlines. They have a team charter, right? right but they're in airports, and who knows? You don't you don't know what the cleaning company's doing to that charter. <laughs> you don't know anything. They go through customs in Canada. Who the hell knows what they're getting? Every member of the Bruins locker room is now dependent on your hygiene and that of Mike Petraglia. I mean, like, <laughs> well, that's, in that case, then we're all, in, then the media is more at risk than the players. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's know. fine by me. <laughs> if they put Bergeron at the podium as opposed to talking in front of, you know, 15 cameras and, if and they, 18 people, wait, what's are we, the difference? Are we, we going to make this an argument about how you do your job? Because, yes, if they bring out three players a night. And, or three players a day to the podium, and that's all you're going to get, then I'm not going to have a job, Ken, and you'll be sitting here with just Pete. I mean, that might be what appeals to you. You have a job. You watch but the if, game. If you can't you get the quotes. And, that's you know. not how it works, Ken. Do you pay any attention to what goes I, on? I read your everyone story last night. Get, there was nothing everyone good Everyone has there. to get something different. Good quote everyone has the... to talk to people different. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to be. You're going to take the side of the Sports Illustrated and, and New York Times. God forbid we, God forbid we make the writers up. get creative and think of uh, their own story. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I, should sit around in, I should sit around in my basement in my underwear making up funny gifts. Hell, yeah. It's name. a good that's way to live. What about a newsletter? Have you ever thought about that? That's right. It's a newsletter, yeah. I'm happy. Get Bradford on the phone right now. We're doing E.I newsletter this is sunday skate the bonus hour the pre-show and uh we'll have some more uh dressing room sound that uh, may be the last night of it maybe this may be the last time you hear a dressing room it might sound be the last time they year. ever speak that's true but if, first if the national hockey league can figure out how to get people to not have to talk to the media at all they'd be great oh we're gonna go back to that one jack that puck was across the goal line even though the yep, referee they was sounded the siren which means that toronto has seen a goal Sorelli came in behind with a cross check. All right, all right, all right. It's time to settle things down. Corrali manhandles Kalorn. You take your Harvard degree and take it to the hospital. Now Braden Point. Now it's Sorelli on top of Coyle. And Chara's squaring off with Maroon, saying, do you want to see the afterlife? I'll take you there. Maroon gets the takedown. This game is close to out of control. Now that's pretty good from Jack Edwards, you got to admit. That is a civic treasure. What's, I think a, what's the, a regional treasure called? Is it regional treasure? I have no idea. Captain but, Jack I mean, all last night. I think the best part of all that happening last night was the, the draw and all the clips being shared on Twitter and dispersed throughout <laughs> Twitter and then all these people finding out about Jack Edwards for the first time. <laughs> Uh, that can't be true. People know Jack at this point. He's controversial around the country. He's like, you know, I... Hockey fans know this, Jack. Yeah, hockey I mean, fans know him. He's hated in Pittsburgh. Mostly for that Sirhan. He's controversial around the fan base, too. I get, if if oh, you really? tweet something about Jack, I get about 50-50 people who hate him and people who love him. Yeah, I, there, yeah there are def, there's definitely sections of, of Bruins fans that, that don't don't like him. And I, I would say that he's, he's probably hated by 30 <laughs> of the 31 fan bases yeah. around the league. He's but, enthusiastic. So what would you say if you put a poll up I'm not going to do this, but if you put up like a poll to Bruins fans, do you, uh, do you like Jack Edwards? What's the percentage? Like 70-30 yeah. in favor. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty, I think a lot of fans pretty, will recognize that he's yeah. he's kind of ridiculous, kind of a clown sometimes, but, but he's our clown. Yeah, and, and that's what you want, right? If you're like, you want to, I'll absolutely, no, I'll absolutely, don't? I'll absolutely take a guy who's entertaining and just completely biased and just you know. I think that Jack knows what he's talking about give, a lot of the give time. Give me the warm, soothing to, to, tones of Dale Arnold. Oh. Well, you get in between periods. You get the best of both worlds. Dale, by the way, the cardinal sin from Matt Kalman between no, it was no, after the oh. game. Collective summation of plus minus for the perfection line. They were a minus twelve or thirteen last night, and Dale threw it out there. I knew I could just. I knew oh, Kalman was just ready to. Well, the Bruins must have lost that game twenty to four. I guess. <laughs> Not a, was not a good night for those guys, though. Well, Pasternak scored. Well, there were two shorthanded goals, you know, and obviously they're they're on the lines, they're out they're out there, so it's part of the blame for them. But right. you can't like really look at that and say, oh, they were. Yeah, on but the, their know. effort was directly responsible for those two shorthanded goals, wouldn't you say? Although on the second one, Crew got, 
I don't know who stole it from Krug coming out of his own yeah. well, blue no, Krug, line. Krug dropped it. Did he drop past it, or it, was it, it stripped he, from him? Well, he, uh, it also might have hit the linesman a little bit. It was okay. hard to see. And then Gore just threw it in and, and chased his own uh, his own dumping. But um, and then the first one is just you know post, you know Bruce Cassidy broke it down after the game. You know Charlie Coyle supposed to block and and Pasternak supposed to be ready to to take his man. And he didn't do it. So you know do you blame Martian and Bergeron for that? Also Bergeron won the draw. So but yeah, Pasternak had, had that goal in the third period, but he also was stopped on a breakaway. Yeah, and and no. I think that would have been, I, I think that would have would have been. You know, a, a huge win for the Bruins there had he scored on that breakaway. They would have had complete momentum. Some people have thrown out Pasternak's name for the heart, but I, I don't think he's in contention. And, and like, a, you need to bury that if you want to be really in heart trophy contention. I, you don't even th- I don't even think he's the best player on the Bruins this year. So he's not going to win the heart. Whoa. Well, and who's that? Brad Martian is the best player. Oh, Martian. I thought you were going to say Tuca. Uh, no. We're going to have a real debate. Uh,. Okay, Marsh Marshan over Pasternak. Well, we had you know Fred in New Hampshire said last week on the show you missed this that we need to see more out of Pasta. So that was yeah, the, that was the line of the week from from a <laughs> week ago. You're not going there. You're just saying no. Brad's a better player. Uh, I also th- don't think Tuka should win Vezina. I had that out on Twitter with uh, with a few people this week. Save that. Your your Hellebuck uh, yeah. stumping is, is is strange. But but back to the the two shorthanded goals. Uh, at that point, the game almost felt over. Like in some ways, that's why I give the Bruins a lot of credit. You're down two nothing. Right. It didn't feel like it was going to be like a two first, like a two, two zip three zero type of game where it's just not their night. Right. But they were able to claw back in it, which is why I do think both teams can kind of make the case here this morning that they, the game was meaningful for them, and you know was going to set the tone for a playoff series should they meet again. Obviously, John Cooper's saying that. Yeah, but I don't think the Bruins really needed that to be able to send that message, whereas the Lightning did. I think the Bruins already knew where they were. They were the first-place team. They just beat them a few nights ago. I don't think the Bruins needed that burst of confidence. Sure, it's great to see them do it, but if they had just lost 3 nothing last night, so, you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> if no one got hurt, you're fine. It's, it's not a big deal. It's not like this team hasn't come back from, from trailing in games either. This team has shown a lot of fight that this year. That whole, like, first month of the season, that's all they did was right. come back to win games, and that's when we said, geez, this team really as good as it looks, or are they just getting lucky at the end? I mean, to do it against a team like Tampa is a little bit a bit encouraging, but I, I don't think that, like, you can come away from that game being like, oh, wow, the Bruins were seemed dead in the water and they came came out of it. I mean, we've seen that re- so many times. If it was reversed, if the Bruins were behind the Lightning and they and they and they came back like that, that's that would have been concerning. Then it's like, oh wow, they're still fighting even though they they've got this deficit. But they're the, they're the, they're the top dog. They, yeah, they but they beat to... you in a playoff series two years ago. I still think there's a little bit of prove it, you know, when it counts. Well, absolutely. Here. And you got good contributions from guys down the roster like McAvoy. Uh, that's a beautiful goal, and DeBrusque with the net drive uh, on the first goal. Was nice. Now he got uh, moved around line combination wise, and is now on the off wing, on line three. And for a period or there, it was until the third period. <laughs> they, they bumped him up to well because they to Krejci's they, line, right? Richie was out for ten minutes, and you know they had okay. So it was just temporary. Out to, yeah, it was only temp. You know, who knows if it's temporary with Bruce Cassidy? But they had to like make makeshift lines, right? And that line looked pretty good. The, the coiled DeBrusque, you know, line for much of the night. Corrali, you know, scores the goal later in the period. But here's a little bit between periods. Sophia Yerkstevich asked uh, DeBrusque about playing on the off wing. Here's what Jake had to say. He was not. I didn't think he was. This sounded like he was very thrilled with the whole matter. Are you, how are you feeling on your offside on the off wing? All right, through 20 minutes. I mean, there's been some tendencies, obviously, that um, you know haven't played there probably since last year. So um, you know, just just coming back to D zone, little things like that. But uh, haven't gotten into too trouble yet. Knock on wood. But um, you know, just want to get more better reads off the rushes. I think I'm getting the puck and. You know, just not sure what to do over there, so uh, I'll figure that out. All right, thank you as always. I mean, he's, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but you can tell, like, his brain, he's, like, thinking a lot. He's got all these responses. First since last year. It's a little radical to be putting DeBrusque on the off wing, wouldn't you say, on uh, March the 7th? They made these trades for two to two wingers to give them the depth, and they're playing guys out of position. That Not only is DeBrusque playing on the right side, but you got either Corrali last night or the game before Wagner playing on the third line. It wasn't supposed to come down like this. Right. I mean, I guess who cares if you find something that works, Pete, in the end, but but that this this was not the plan. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I, and I don't know if the plan was to, I mean, maybe, but I don't think the plan was to have Nick Ritchie as your second line left either. So No, although last night he looked like a guy that they needed in a series like this, right? I mean, he, he's showing as a better get than Kacha is as somebody that's more useful to the team. Wouldn't Absolutely. You, wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah. If he can play like he's been playing these couple of games – you won't get into the situation where Bruce Cassidy's trying to insert David Backus to change the momentum. You'll already have that in the lineup, at least, and it'll be one less you know trouble to 
to deal with. It is funny to take a step back and just think about what you just said. That you know, it's, it's great to have Nick Ritchie in a series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You've got to have that toughness. I know. I'm expecting your buddy DJ Bean to like burst through the door and start admonishing me. Well, for, no, for nobody's hits. ever doubted that Nick Ritchie was going to bring some toughness if he was going to show it. I mean, he's had right. some. He's had the track record of doing that at times. I mean, it's hard to judge a guy. Also, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for him because obviously I, I kind of panned the move, but. When you're playing in Anaheim and they've been, a, as Guy A. Bear told us on the podcast, they've been a mess for two years. You, you don't have a lot of situations where you're going to get into like heated battles and fights. Um, even your biggest rival, the Kings, are a mess too. So you're not having these bloodbaths like they were having in the, a couple of years ago in California. So you know when you look at Nick Ritchie and he hasn't fought in two years, well, there's probably nobody trying to fight him because they're going to Anaheim. They're getting their two points and they're leaving. They're not trying to get into trouble. Unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. So you don't know. You don't know what what's actually going on with the guy. It was just a matter of, obviously we had the precedent of his brother coming here and being a dud. And we still don't know in the playoffs that this guy's going to like do the things he has to do. But at this point, at least he's showing some good signs as opposed to Kasha who uh, it was, uh, you know, appropriate. Man, I, I don't they call see him, him this guy. They call him the energizer bunny, which is great because he's, he's doing a lot of things, but he's not accomplishing anything. Yeah. I haven't, th- I haven't yet to see him pass the puck. He just shoots he it every time pass. he gets it. That's why his shooting percentage he looks is so like, low. He, he fires from everywhere, Pete. He reminds me of, of my of my son's nine-year-old team where no one passes the puck. Well, maybe they've told him that. Do you think they yeah, said, Yeah, I think hey, that might shoot. be a, a reason why you went out and get that guy because, I mean, if you put him on a line with, with Krejci, you think that he'd, he'd get some better opportunities. Yeah, but he wasn't on I, – I, he came down on a two-on-one, and I think it was with Krug, and he, the defenseman was two feet in front of him, and instead of passing it to Krug and maybe doing a give-and-go or something, he just shot it into the defenseman's shin pads, and the puck went back the other way. And that was just – obviously, that's just a, a small dose of it, but you got to be a little more creative. <laughs> got to get those Corsi numbers up, man. His, oh, I was just looking at his Corsi from last night. It's good. Like, oh, maybe Kasha is checked for Corsi? Is that what you're saying? His Corsi against uh, Sergachev ate nothing last night Like he because he just put shots on net, but it oh, doesn't really translate to That makes to Kyle any... Dubas a little warm inside, doesn't <laughs> it? John Chaka. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know you love the uh, What's the, the guy in Carolina they always talk about on Sportsnet? What's that guy's name? That we have to like give him credit? He, he, every time Carolina does something well, it's it's the the analytic guy, analytic effect. He gets the he gets all the credit for it. Well, and last night's Eric Tulski. Eric Tulski. It, it's tough to last night. There wasn't much five on five play. But the whole game was like four on four or special teams. Oh, it's so a it's, mess. But the one thing, Kasha, the Tuesday game in Tampa. The Krejci line, which had Kasha and Richie, did a pretty good job on Point and Kucherov. Yeah, that was the matchup for the game. So it, the, that's the only thing I could say good about Kasha is okay. They were defensively responsible. They kind of shut that line down. But is that what you got him for? I think it's part. <laughs> no. of, I think it's part of what you got him for. Like, really? Yeah, I think a big part of his of his game is his ability to to pressure the puck. And I mean, I think well, that, that's, that's that, a that good is another value. thing he's done well. I'll give him that. That's true. I was thinking that last night. He, he doesn't. He's not going to you know bury anybody on the forecheck. But his speed has caused other teams to pass the puck quicker he's, at the pass of the play. He's a guy that like to. the Vegas Golden Knights would love because he fits into that style of right. play, and I think that's a very valuable thing to have. But they also you're... brought him in here to score. Yeah, absolutely. So... And I, I would you definitely think that you want some. <laughs> you want more results. You would like to see more results right. from him at this point. But he's not a useless player, even when he's not producing. No, he's not useless. He's just not what they need. He's not making the difference that he needs to make at this. I agree. And he has a few more games before we start to really beat him up. I think when the playoffs come around, you mentioned Bjork. You want to see him back in there. Who, what What is it going to look like in, in the? Open well, I series? want to see what he looks like when he's in there. I'm not saying I want him in the playoffs. I want him in now to get to get a to give a touchdown. I mean, this is what we talked about last week with Coleman, right? He's he's not in there and he's been sent down because they know what he's getting from him. It doesn't matter. So he's not trying out anymore for this team, right? And I think that's what happened with Nordstrom a little bit too is they took him out because, you know a, a, he was probably banged up, and B, it's like, you know what he is, so what do we have to? See? we don't have to worry about him right now. I, I really believe Coyle's going to end up on the wing. Kosh is not good enough. They're going to be forced to put Coyle on the wing. Stanika's going to get called up and be your third-line center. Well, and if that's happening, it better happen soon. If I mean, we're going to go down that path, I mean, you don't you don't need to have Stanika be the third-line center. He could come up and be the second-line right wing, too. I mean, well, but, he, but he we did talked that, to our guy Mark Diver this week, and he said that's not Yeah, but Donnie Sweeney said on trade deadline day, he said, you know, we're open to it. You know, obviously Stanika wants to play no matter what in the NHL. And and I think they're considering it, and, that, and you know, I also think like when, especially if you're bringing him up before the playoffs or close to the playoffs, 
you know, a young a young guy, do you want him with the responsibilities of playing right. down the middle, or do you want him on the wing where he can kind of just focus on doing certain things and not covering a wide Although if you watch him, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a small sample size. I watched him the other night. I mean, you don't get the idea that he'd be overwhelmed. I mean, he's been a, a responsible two-way center his whole career, and I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with him playing on the third line if you gave him the right wingers. Now, it wouldn't be – I wouldn't say – I would say it's not Jake DeBrusque. You know, you need to have some guys that are attention to detail, and they might not really have that right now. So that might be the only thing that would hold me back. What about Corrali and Kasha? If you put him with Corrali and Kasha, even if you put him with Corrali and Wagner, and that's kind of a fourth line, but maybe if you're having, like, a th- two third lines. Well, then what are you going to do, put Kasha on the fourth line? Well, Kasha would still be with Krejci, right? Well, he's, he's talking about moving oh. Charlie Coyle yeah, but, up well, on the wing. I think it would be Coyle and, and Studnicka would probably be your bottom two centers, and then you just kind of interchange those wings depending on how it is, but... I mean, Corrales look pretty good on left wing. I, I think you have to say that much better than he has in fourth line. I, that's for sure. Yeah, and and I think that you know that's been their plan is they want him to play there. Yep. So that's yeah. I think and I don't that's think, the I, one thing I, I don't think Coyle's in. moving unless it's really desperate time. I, I think mean, it, well, I think it's going to get desperate. I mean, Kasha can't score. Well, it's only been a few games. I'm not writing off games. Kasha yet. Well, that's I mean, it hasn't been Corrales five. on the le- five already. Corrales yep. on the left side is also why I wanted them to get Joe Thornton. I would love Joe Thornton in that fourth line center role. Oh, agreed. Good oh point, Pete. God. I, I want Joe Thornton to go out there and look like he's pulling a damn tractor trailer. Why would you want to make the fourth <laughs> line slower at this point? All these years of complaining the Bruins are too slow, we're going to add 40-year-old Joe Thornton to the fourth line. I don't line. think you need your fourth, fourth line to be sense. speedsters. What do you have against Thornton? You, you, you do need your fourth line to have speed. That's what it is in, the new, in, in this NHL, in this era. The fourth lines bring you speed. You don't have the, the Joe Thorntons and the... The, the big slots in the fourth line here. It doesn't work that way. I think they need dressing room leadership. I'll say it. <laughs> Thornton would have brought that. They should have kept Bacchus, damn it. Yeah, I may miss Bacchus before all is said and done. By the way, that Bacchus trade is just looking so bad. I mean, Kasha for a first. They got the cap space. What do you cap mean space. the Bacchus trade is looking bad? We <laughs> just said Kasha that, trade. We just said Kasha's bringing value to this team. We did? I, yes, I, you guys said that. I didn't. I say think Akash is get... bringing value to this team. He's going to get the results at some point, and even if he doesn't, he's bringing some value to this team, which means that the Bruins won the trade. I Bacchus had an assist the other but You night, can't right? look at it like that because they gave up a first round pick, which they could have used for something better, something useful. But they were going to use the, f- they... and they also dumped Bacchus's salary. <sighs> the cap's going up next year by four million. That's that would yeah. that would have covered. It. We'll see if that really happens. Well, that's the rumor. I love when Bill Daly announces something and the Canadian media just buys it hook, line, and sinker. And Oh, this is definitely going to be a king. What are God, you, you are so about? skeptical of any, any report from Canada. Because last year they said the cap was going up to like 83, 84, well, they, they, and it's 81 and a half. They give that window, and when they I give that window, history. you basically have to assume that it's going to be the lowest at number that the they low, name. At the yeah. most, yeah. it'll be the lowest. <laughs> that's course, the ceiling, probably. The economy's oh tanking, so you're right about that. I mean, and they're not getting any fan revenue when they shut them all out because of the coronavirus. And these are the same. All right. Insiders telling us the locker rooms are going to be closed. Fine. Enough. Fine. Good Get trade. your story straight before you tweet these things out. When you have a million followers, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Well, it still might be true. It just might be delayed. By oh it. yeah, it might be true. Three. Uh, I can. We can make any damn prediction. Would it be surprising? I predict Akasha is going to score. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. More. More curmudgeonly Calvin on his birthday. It's your birthday for God's sake. Cheer up. Pre-show I'm happy. of Sunday's this be happy. Brought to you by Red River Technology and by uh, Star Market, the official supermarket of Sunday Skate. You can reach us, 617-779-7937. And we've got to talk about, before we are done here, the uh, Vezina race. Is Tuka Rask a Vezina goalie? We'll discuss coming up. I don't know. Well, I think you, you saw both teams in the deadline kind of, you know, got some size and kind of got ready for that physicality. So that's... That's something that you need going in the playoffs, the physicality aspect, and I think probably that's something that you know going to be, you know, huge in the playoffs, no matter who you play against. Uh, I think it showed today that you know you don't you don't want to bend, or you want to bend, but you don't want to break. You just want to stand up for each other and your teammates, and and you need that physical aspect. Took a rest last night after the Bruins' 5-3 defeat at the hands of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is the Sunday Skate pre-show. Laird Cowman and Blackburn. The coronavirus free. Well, we think you never know. You, you, know. Show up for you just changed. You just changed your mic uh, cover there. So. I bought a new one. Yeah, your own. Who, who are you most concerned about? The Big O or Dale or who? Who's carrying? That's an impossible question to ask. Pretty much concerned about everybody. You're only as good as your weakest link now. Like there just could be one schlub at your workplace who infects the entire building. That's all it takes. So uh, 
got to be careful. Got to wash your hands. We have uh, Purell some, in the other some room. Some Trumpster who doesn't think that it even exists, right? I'm not going to say Mark James. Nick, the producer, just said Mark James in my ear. I'm not going to say that. James was at the game last night. He was at the game. In the yeah. press box watching the Bruins. you got to give that guy good. credit. Yep. We, uh, you know, I explained to him right wing, left wing. <laughs> he wanted to know where the, you know, why, why there was no baskets, you know, why there were no hoops. And uh... Earlier this week, FanDuel Sportsbook, which I'm not sure if that's a sportsbook that anybody takes uh, seriously or not, put out their list of odds to win the Vezina Trophy. And Tuka Rask was the runaway favorite at plus 115. Distantly behind Vasilevsky and Hellebuck, plus 420. The goaltenders for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, this is the story you won't hear on Brand X, that's for sure. Okay, well, now Pete is a Hellebuck guy, as he mm-hmm. tweeted out earlier this week. Tuka Rask, if he wins another Vezina, would, that would be a serious Hall of Fame candidacy boosting Can't be. Rask, event, Tuka's right? terrible. Come on. No, he's obviously had a good year, but he's but, you know he has 25 wins. He just got outplayed by Vasilevsky head-to-head last night pretty convincingly, wouldn't you say? I mean... He didn't have uh, his best game yes, yesterday, for sure. One of those first two, um, the cliche, you'd like to have a save from your goalie on one of those uh, shorthand great, goals. Great Bruce Cassidy line. Yeah. So make your case for Hellebuck. Yeah, now why Hellebuck? I haven't watched him much this year, to be uh, honest. He's got 29 wins. I mean, uh, wins is a bad metric for evaluating What's the goalie. metric? What's the Vezina metric? Ken loves the wins. I wow, mean, save percentage is, is a big one, but I think for Hellebuck, you have to look better, deeper than save percentage. <laughs> he plays behind one of the worst defenses in the league. They gave up a ton of high-danger chances. He leads the league in goals saved above average. So There it is, goals saved above average. Yeah, it's, that's, it's that's a better good league metric. That's, yeah, absolutely. It's better than that's, goals that's against a, average. Wait goals, a minute, wait a minute. Goals against average yeah, is a team, throw that a in team the trash. stat. Yeah, goal saved above wins, average. Tells wins you how they goal, compare to goals other against goalies. average or team stat. No, no, I'm in, uh, but I just uh, Calvin never like it's anything not that, that the athletic it's public. Not, yeah, it's not an advanced statistic. It's not it's, some GVT yeah. expected nonsense. It's actual saves. I hate the ones that they tell you what it's what's expected. I don't want to know what's expected. Right. I want to know what's happening. But in this case, it's just comparing him to other goalies. Winnipeg is in the playoff it. picture right now, and it's simply because Connor Hellebuck has been unbelievable this year. Okay. So I think that he's got the strong, and his his workload is a lot bigger than Tuka's. You know, he's, he's, he's played fifty six games. Been a workhorse. Tuka's goalie. played forty. That is pretty significant. Yeah, I I don't want to. I'm not knocking Hellebuck, but I don't want to reward a guy because his team stinks. I also don't want to reward a guy because he plays more in an era where we see the the successful teams go with two goalies. So no, I get that. I, mean, and I think can, that like at the end of the day, you have to give it to the guy who's played the best. Yeah. And I think all things considered, pound for pound, Hellebuck has played the best because of what's in front of him and the chances that he faces and the saves that he's making on a nightly basis and the workload that he's facing. Not only you know season long, but on a nightly basis, he's getting pummeled because his defense stinks, and he's still keeping this team in it. Vasilevsky, you got to admit, Matt, and you did on the podcast this week, has been kind of impressive. This has been a, he's watching had a good him, week. Like two two games, just watching him heads up. I mean, he was a difference maker last night. Yeah, obviously, I mean, he, the past he, he always saved. makes a spectacular saves. I just know that yeah. he got off to a, a pretty rocky start to this season. That's one of the big reasons they started slow as a team. And uh, I'll always argue that clearly he has an advantage because you know because he plays in front of that team and the fact that they play with the puck so much. But yeah, I mean, he's had he's had a nice bounce back week. But you know. NHL.com tweeted out that he was the favorite of the oh, Vezina, and I don't know who I was put making those picks. I would have put Ben Bishop above, uh, oh, above Vasilevsky. And Jacob Markstrom, before he got hurt, I think right. was trending oh. to finish ahead of Vasilevsky, too. So, I mean, I don't buy into the and Vasilevsky how about Bobrovsky? Hype. He's really making that $10 million. Oh, jeez. We, we never saw that coming, right, Ken? That was, that was, never, <laughs> that was never predicted. Holy cow. He won a Vezina, right, a couple years ago? He won two. 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 Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, you know... I, uh, where's Bishop at? How many wins does he have? 21. Why do you keep wins? Wins. I think that's significant. He leads it's the league not. in save percentage. He's 15 and 4. What's, okay, what's, who are the ben leaders Bishop, in goals saved Bishop above average? Ben Bishop leads the league in save percentage, and, and who's third right now? Do you know who's third? What, for save, uh, save yeah. percentage? No. Anton Hudobin yeah. is third. Yeah, Anton Hudobin has a better save percentage than Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak. And almost the same amount of games. He played, as of uh, Friday, he had played the same amount of games as Halak. I mean, he's he's been very, very good this he's year. He plays, in, he plays in a very defensive system, Obviously. too, and so I think that helps. But, I mean, that's been one of the best tandems in the year all year long. Uh, goal save against average, Hellebuck's number one, Tuca's number two, 
What website do you find? GSAA. HockeyReference.com. This is like the war for uh, goalies. It's not the war because you actually can quantify it. War is like some nerd picks like five random stats and throws them together and makes up a a number. This is actually a stat. Goal saved above average is the uh, league's average save percentage with the number of shots the goalie has had. Right. Okay. Pretty easy. Pretty basic. But but you have to go to HockeyReference.com. Like nobody else has this stat. Well, that's because the NHL NHL.com operates on st- stats that were relevant in 1975. <laughs> uh, in, in, Hudobin is number three goal save against ba- uh, above average, and there you go. I mean that's pretty impressive for a guy who's like basically splitting duties. Uh, as far as save percentage, standard save percentage, Tuca is third behind Hudobin and Darcy Kemper uh, of Arizona. So, all right, so you're saying Tuca's got a shot, but you would pick. Hellebuck. I think that Tuca's been. Really good this year, and you know if you're going if you're going on save percentage, obviously he's probably the guy that that is is going to win. Um, but I think I think also the voters are going to factor in the wins. Probably that's what they do. I mean, they take they they vote for the Norris based on points by defensemen. They vote for the goalies based on wins. I mean, it's very scientific over at the Pro Hockey Right Association. But games played, you would you would uh, admit is a key. No, it's not stat. anymore. If Hellebuck's played think, 16 gonna, more games than Tuka that, that that's big. Everything Pete's saying is fine. I don't The games, I'm not going to penalize a guy if he's playing fewer games because he's in a tandem. Especially in like the league, in the, the way that the goalies are operated now, tandems are becoming way more like accepted and sort of like what you want when you're running a team. You want two guys. So uh, I don't know. I think that Hellebuck's going to get credit for playing more games, but I also don't think that being a tandem, quote-unquote, tandem goalie, yeah. it, it takes you out of the race for Vezina. He, he's going to get more uh, credit for that, and I, it, maybe it's a tiebreaker, but if all things are even, I wouldn't you know, make that the tiebreaker. I wouldn't say, oh, he played more games. So it, it's more about the, the goals the goals, the, 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 uh, the goals saved. Well, we'll talk about Tuka's backup, Yaro Halak. You wrote about him this week a bit later in the show. It is the second hour of Sunday Skate. First time we've had a chance to say that. It's Calvin's birthday. This was in the pre-show. But uh, the big hour coming up next. And if you're just joining us, lots to discuss from last night's Bruins and Tampa. Um, I don't want to say bloodbath. Like in the old days, this would have just been a run-of-the-mill game. But uh, we we had some interesting second-period developments, to be sure. We'll talk about uh, Sorelli and uh, Dodona from Thursday night and the team toughness of the Bruins on the way on Sunday's game. Get out of my office, Bobrovsky. Take the rest of the day off. 